Miguel and I are joined by senior writer at LakersNation.com and host of Lakers Nation, Trevor Lane. Trevor, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you, uh, how are you holding up without basketball? Oh, man. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. But uh, yeah, li- life is rough without basketball. I'm getting by watching a few old games and things like that. But I mean, like everybody else right now, I'm just hoping that sports come back sooner rather than later, as long as, as, long as it's safe, of course. Yeah, there's nothing quite like the real thing. Uh, let's jump right into this. So we've been doing these uh, last dance kind of revisits um, mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, all this Bulls talk had me kind of feeling left out. So I had to bring uh, bring some purple and gold on the show. Um, it almost feels it's crazy. The Lakers have missed the playoffs in six straight seasons. They snapped that streak this year. Uh, they clinched a playoff berth already. Two superstars now on the team. It's been quite an amazing season. I know you're having a blast watching and covering this season. They do so many things well. I just wanted to ask you, what do you think is their greatest strength? I think the greatest strength that the Lakers have is their chemistry, and that's something that they developed from day one. That's why that's why this team hit the ground running in a way that nobody really expected. We all assumed that there was going to be a learning curve, that it was going to take some time for them to figure out how to play together. There'd be some early bumps in the road and, and all of that. And it didn't really happen. They lost that initial game to the Clippers, and then they went on a winning streak, and they've, they've closed out close games. They've beat good teams. They just beat the Bucs, just beat uh, the Clippers right before we, the season got suspended. Uh, their ability to come together and mix their veterans as well as their, their younger pieces has been really, really, really impressive. And that's, that's not normally something you see out of a team that's putting together so many new faces. You know, watching the Lakers, I, I thought like, in typical LeBron teams, especially in the first – uh, I know it wasn't his first year, but this was the first year with the new kind of super team. You could say uh, first year in Miami, it was a rough go. They started, I think, nine and eight. First year when he went back to Cleveland the second time with Kyrie and Kevin Love, they had a bit of a slow start as well. So I think people expected LeBron and this Laker team to have a slow start with AD in this first year and all these new bodies, Danny Green as well. Mm-hmm. What was it that allowed them uh, the chemistry to be so well from day one, especially with Frank Vogel, who who's the first year head coach for the Lakers? Well, from everybody that I've talked to associated with the team, it's been the fact that everybody knew their role going in. It wasn't like they got out on the floor and then had to figure out, okay, you know, my job is going to be to rebound and play defense. And this guy is going to be spotting up behind the three and, and kind of figure out all the pieces of the puzzle. They already knew. They knew all of them, except for, in fact, Jared Dudley just told me the other day, um, the one that they didn't know was Kyle Kuzma. That was the one guy where they weren't sure exactly what his role was going to be yet. They knew that he was going to take some adjusting. But other than him, every single player on the team knew exactly what their role was going to be going in. And so that helped a lot because they they didn't have to have that feeling out period. Everybody knew what their job was going to be from the get-go. Yeah, and I, I think LeBron definitely came in with some extra added motivation, um, you know, only playing in 55 games last year and the Lakers missed the playoffs again. That certainly helped. But let's talk about Kuzma. You just hit on him. Uh, I know he tweaked his shot prior to the season. He's being asked to do a lot of things differently. Anthony Davis is, is in the fold now, so his role is kind of changing. You know, it's been the little things for Kuzma, crashing the offensive glass and, and playing better defense. But at his core, I mean, I think we all know that he's a scorer, right? And that's what he does best. Can he return to that, do you think? If we if the season does come back, can he return to that scoring form? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. He he definitely can. And that's and that is his his default mode, right? Is to score the basketball. Um in games when Anthony Davis has missed. So Kuzma has slid into that starting power forward spot. He's averaging right around 20 points per game, which is pretty much the guy that we hoped we would be seeing from Kuzma uh, right now. 
it's just it's taken some adjustments from him to figure out how to play with Anthony Davis, how to play with, with LeBron James. He's still a work in, bro- in progress, even though fans are starting to get a little bit antsy. I've seen some negative feedback, uh, ne- negative criticism tossed towards him. But overall, this is a guy who had a lot to had a lot to adapt to this season, and I think he was picking things up as they went. So I think that he definitely can be a key contributor should the season get back going again. Um, the question is to what degree, and that's going to be a big factor in far, as far as you know how far the Lakers go this season. Are his struggles, in your opinion, more external things going around around him and trying to find his role rather than internal, where maybe he's not working as hard and putting in the work, or what? What do you really think the problem is? No, everybody that I've spoken to has said that he is a tremendous worker. Everybody has raved about his work ethic, um, the just the intensity that he puts into his training sessions and his dedication to getting better. He's a guy who very much understands what his issues are. He understands where he's weak in his game, and he works and works and works to improve those. And it's not something where, hey, I can go shoot 100 threes and then suddenly I'm going to be better. It's something that has to develop over time. And so he's, uh, it's something that you may not notice instantly, but he is definitely putting in the work. I don't think that's the issue. I think it's more of a feeling out process. You know, last season, uh, he was a starter. He's playing alongside LeBron James. He was the one young player that didn't look like that was too big of a challenge for him. He wasn't overawed by LeBron or anything. He actually fit in pretty well. And now this season, his role changes again completely where he's asked to come off the bench and be the sixth man. And so I think it's just adjusting to that, adjusting to what's being asked of him rather than anything that he's particularly doing or if he's, you know, frustrated with himself or any of those things. I want to say it was Kuzma or his agent they, or his trainer, uh, his personal trainer said something negatively about LeBron in some sense. And Twitter just ran wild with him saying, oh, LeBron's going to want to get rid of him immediately, you know, for, for that. How is the relationship between Kuzma and LeBron? How is that uh, festered over the course of the season? I mean, yeah, that was uh, that was when Clint Parks made a made a comment uh, about LeBron and you know, that, that kind of stuff, that can fester. But in this locker room, I don't see it being a big issue. I haven't heard anything about it personally being being a problem or anything like that. As I recall, Kuzma reached out to LeBron and cleared things up almost right away. And, and LeBron was fine with it. I mean, look, these kinds of things, things happen, right? I mean, everybody has people in their circle and all that. Sometimes something gets said. Um, if you remember way back when, when Larry Nance Jr. was drafted by the Lakers, he had some anti-Kobe tweets oh, yeah. dug up. You know, and he like his first conversation with Kobe had to be like, hey, I'm really sorry that this got out there. That stuff doesn't matter in the in the long run, though. You know, I don't think there was anything that was said that that, that couldn't just be be moved on from. So I'm not I'm not too concerned about any of that kind of stuff. The whole Kuzma thing is kind of crazy, too, because, you know, when the trade rumors were swirling the last year or two he was kind of thought to be the prize possession. Uh, it doesn't make it any easier to see what Brandon Ingram's doing down uh, in New Orleans. But as a, as a Laker fan, I mean, Ingram was, was tough to watch, just so inconsistent. But, you know, it took him a while to figure it out. Um, so Kuzma kind of being that third scoring option, I know they tried to – or they brought in Deion Waiters and they brought in Morris. Do you think that those two guys are going to be able to kind of be those missing pieces that the Lakers were really looking for? I think Morris, well, Morris isn't going to be the scoring option that they need. That's not really his game. Um, Waiters, maybe. Waiters in that he brings a different element that they didn't have. The Lakers right now rank dead last in drives per game. And about 25% of Waiters' uh, shot attempts came off of drives to the basket. Not that he's, you know, great there. He's not, you know, just jumping up and dunking over everybody on every right. attack or anything. He's, not he's a creator. 
but he can create a little bit. Um, so I think he just gives them that that different element. As far as Kuzma goes, yeah, we we kind of thought, okay, well, the role Kuzma is going to slide into during the offseason, we thought he's going to become the sixth man. He's going to become the super sub, the guy that comes in and just starts lighting things up when LeBron goes to the bench. And what we found out is that's not the case. As the season's gone on, we found out that that statistically, and maybe this isn't shocking, but he plays much, much, much better when he's actually playing with LeBron James, when he has someone to set him up and give him the ball in the right spots. And when you watch the games, you can see he's not the guy that you can just throw the ball to late in the shot clock and say, okay, Kuzma, go go make a really tough shot. He can do it every now and then, but it's not really his forte. He needs that guy out there with him that can set him up and then get him going on, on slashes to the basket and, or open threes and things like that. So I think that's what the Lakers were trying to address there. They, they recognized that they needed a little bit more shot creation off that second unit, and asking Kuzma to be the, the microwave scorer just wasn't really a great fit for him. Were the Lakers even active at the trade deadline? Because as well put together as they are, the one big weakness, like you mentioned, was shooting in a, just kind of a secondary shot creator to kind of lift a little bit of the burden off LeBron. And at the trade deadline, they stayed pretty quiet, and then they waited for who was going to get bought out. Were they looking at any guys at the deadline to try to maybe make a move? Yeah, I mean, everything we heard is that they were they were pretty far into the discussions with uh, with Marcus Morris, and they were looking at at getting him. But ultimately, the price was just too high. Um, they they didn't want to give up uh, what they would need to. It was going to be, from what I heard, it was going to be Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma. And Danny Green, the the Knicks side of it was looking at it more as Danny Green is just salary filler, and the Lakers were looking at it as no, you know, Danny Green is is a, a piece for us, right? He's something that that provides value. We don't want to give up both of those pieces, and I don't blame them for that. That's an awful lot to give for a for a small forward slash power forward on an expiring deal. Uh, there were some rumors that Danny Green might get routed to another team and, and things like that, but ultimately he, he winds up getting traded to the Clippers. Uh, the other guy they were checking in on was Derrick Rose. And uh, and there was some discussion back and forth about okay, Derrick Rose and a deal involving Alex Caruso is that something that's that's doable? And look, I, I love what Caruso has done this season. You can debate back and forth <laughs> that that attacker off the dribble certainly, but you know what? At the end of the day, it, I've seen actually conflicting reports. Some saying that uh, the Pistons said no, and some saying that the Lakers said no. So. Ultimately, somebody said no, and the deal didn't go down. You, yeah, you can say Derrick Rose as many times as you want on this podcast because Miguel is the, the <laughs> Bulls fan, and I'm the big Lakers fan. So that's kind of music to his ears. Uh, but talking, just kind of speaking along the lines of trades there. So I kind of saw what happened when the Lakers won back-to-back titles in, in 9 and 10, and they kind of failed to position themselves with some younger pieces, and they got old. Uh, they eventually traded Odom. Fisher got older. They traded Fisher. Powell's name was always in trade talks. So I guess my question kind of as a Lakers fan is, we're obviously in win-now mode. And Anthony Davis is probably going to – I'm guessing he's going to kind of be back long-term. He's going to ease this thing a little bit for us. But how do you position yourselves to win now but also not, you know, for lack of a better word, screw yourself for, for down the road? Uh, they've done it. They, it's already done. If you look at the they look at their contracts and you notice when they all expire, um, they have cap space for 2021. Okay, and they, that's very much on purpose. Um, that's part of the reason why you saw guys like JaVale McGee, Rajon Rondo, Avery Bradley, options, uh, Pope, right? They all got player options for that second year, and that was a concession in exchange for hey, you're only going to sign a two year deal, but we're going to make sure you have that player option. So if you feel like you have an opportunity to go get a longer deal at some point, then you can opt out this this coming summer and go find something else. 
so, but they're all two-year deals, which means the Lakers will have some cap room, um, which happens to be the summer of Giannis. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they, they're going to have enough space. We don't know exactly what the cap's going to look like, especially in light of what's going on. It's probably going to drop this coming summer. And I think that's going to change a lot of the variables for a lot of teams around the league. So we don't know what the fallout from all that's going to look like just yet, but they absolutely built themselves uh, flexibility for not next season, but the season after and for that, that next summer or whenever free agency starts, who knows what the, what the schedule is going to look like right. for, for that next free agency period, they'll have some flexibility to go and, and do something and potentially bring in somebody else to transition as LeBron gets, gets older. Lakers fans talk as if, you know, Anthony Davis coming back is a done deal, foregone conclusion. Is there any chance at all that Anthony Davis, let's say he doesn't want to play anymore with LeBron or he he gets more enticed by maybe going back east or or wherever? Is there any chance that Anthony Davis is not a Laker next season? I mean, never say never, right? Like there, you look at all the things that have happened in the NBA that we never thought would happen. Dwight Howard <laughs> is a fan favorite right now, right? right. I mean, for, like I, I never would have imagined that that would ever happen. Uh, you know, look at all the contracts that have been traded that people have called untradeable. So um, there's always a chance that something can can happen, but I'd say it's it, it's unlikely for a few reasons. First, you've got a Lakers team that's currently sitting at first place in the Western Conference. Their chemistry has been incredible. A number of guys have said, very specifically, that this is the most fun they've ever had. This team has been the most fun that they've ever been on. Um, so we, so they've got a great rapport with this group. Um, and they're a title contender. They can pay him more money. And then on top of that, you look at the landing spots. There just aren't a lot of teams this summer with cap space that would be an enticing option for Anthony Davis. Um, I think the if Anthony Davis picks up his player option, which – Maybe he does if the salary cap drops down. Maybe he does pick it up and then look for more money the following summer. Then maybe things fall apart next season, and then maybe he goes or, or something like that. But uh, right now, it seems an almost certainty that that he'll come back. Um, everything has has gone the way the Lakers wanted to, aside from you know the plague hitting us. Yeah, let's talk about some of the uh, the threats out there for the Lakers, both in the East and the West. Do you see the only two threats being the Clippers and the Bucks, or are there any other dark horses you think that might give the Lakers trouble? No, I mean I think there's some other teams out there that are that are good that can certainly give them a run. I mean, look, they've they've lost to the Raptors this season. If that team gets into the finals, you you never know. There, there's the Philadelphia 76ers ran them out of the gym uh, once already this season. That team would be a challenge. Uh, you look at even the Denver Nuggets. I think the Lakers have kind of had their number this season, but the Denver Nuggets have certainly have the talent to uh, to give them a, a real threat. The Houston Rockets with their small ball lineup kind of befuddled the Lakers. Uh, when they played, although I, I don't know if that would happen in a seven-game series. But but who knows? It might be three-game series, depending on what the playoffs look like and if they happen. Um, so, no, I, I don't look at it as just the Bucks and the Clippers. I think those three right now are certainly the favorites, the Lakers, the Bucks, and the Clippers, to win a championship. Yeah. But there's enough teams around the, around the periphery that are right there that, um, that anything could happen. And so I think that's been one of the, the – bright spots of this NBA season is the unpredictability of it. Whereas the past few years, it's been, okay, it's going to be golden state or it's going to right. be Cleveland or, or whoever. Yeah. yeah. Miguel we, thinks we, the Clippers the- are the biggest mismatch for them. On, as, as far as like a mismatch, as far as contrasting styles, do you see one team or another being a thorn in their side in that regard? 
they are both a thorn in each other's side, if, if that makes sense. You know, if you look at the matchup on paper, you've got the great perimeter defenders with the Clippers. You've got Patrick Beverly, Paul George, you know, of course, Kawhi Leonard. And these guys can lock people down on the perimeter, but they're a little bit weaker in the paint, right? Uh, they've actually been a really good rebounding team, and that's a testament to their toughness and everything. So, you know, I don't want to say that they've got a huge advantage on the boards, but just in general, the Lakers are the bigger, stronger team. And we saw that a little bit. Uh, in their their last meeting right before uh, right before things shut down. On the other hand, you know, the Lakers have such an advantage inside, the Clippers have to deal with that. So it's just two contrasting styles. It's look, if you if you get a seven game series between those two teams, I mean flip a coin. They're both so, so close and both so good. For from a Lakers perspective, it would be agonizing to watch it, but at the same time it'd be it'd be a lot of fun for the entire NBA. It'd be incredible. And I've, I've always said, you know, even before, obviously, COVID kind of took everything and halted the entire season. Before that happened, I said it was either Lakers Clippers that are going to be holding up the title. You know, I felt that Western of inevitable Western Conference finals matchup between the Clips Mm -hmm. and the Lakers was pretty much going to be who who wins the title because I, a lot of people like to talk about Milwaukee, but I still think Giannis is about maybe a year or two away from fully encompassing all of his talent. You know, you saw in the All-Star game that Giannis has trouble shooting from the outside. And in playoff situations, Giannis has had difficulty, and I still don't think he's there yet. Uh, Whereas the Lakers and the Clips both have two guys that they can turn to consistently. What is your thoughts on Milwaukee uh, and a Lakers potential finals matchup? Because I'm not sold on Milwaukee like everyone else is. I think they're really good. I think the Bucks are a good team. You look at all of their advanced metrics. They all say that this is a very, very good team. Um, and it's not just, is Giannis ready to go win a championship yet or, or not? They've got all these different pieces that have fit in very well together. You look at, um, I mean, just matchup-wise, Brooke Lopez dragging a Dwight Howard or dragging JaVale McGee away from the rim. That takes away some of the Lakers' strength defensively. Um, they've got pieces like that. You've got Chris Middleton who can light it up uh, at any minute. Uh, DiVincenzo, Dante DiVincenzo, is, uh, he's one of the great role players that they've got that has really come on this season. They've got a lot of really good pieces, not even to mention Eric Bledsoe, who, uh, who can do some really solid things there from the point guard spot. So that's a good team. I get what you're saying about Giannis. You look at the first time the Lakers played the Bucs, he shot something crazy. It was like five of six from deep or something like that, which you know he's not going to do on a nightly basis. The next time they played, the Lakers tried to, again, make him into a shooter, and it worked that time. The Lakers were able to get the win. It was a physical uh, game, and the Lakers came out on top. Uh, but that said, you know, I'm certainly not going to write them off. Giannis is really, really, really good. If there's an MVP in this, in this league, it's probably either LeBron or Giannis. It's one of those two. Uh, he's incredible, and this is a team that's very well put together. They're better than I thought they would have been coming into the season uh, after losing Malcolm Brogdon. So I would pick them as my team to come out of the East because I think their their chemistry is on that kind of championship level, and I just like the way everything is fit together with them. I love DiVincenzo. He's one of my favorite players in the league right now. I think the guy's going to be an awesome talent for the next 10, 12 years. Uh, but, yeah, Miguel and I uh, consistently on this show have spoken about just Giannis's lack of ability to – take the ball at the top of the key in the last minute, two minutes of the game uh, and go one-on-one in an ISO situation. I I think kind of what you see with him is teams start to pack the paint at the end of the game and he doesn't really have the outside jumper. So in that regard and from that perspective, I think that's kind of where Miguel and I are on the same page. And uh, you're right, though. It is a a team game and they do have a lot of good parts around them. I wanted to talk about Frank Vogel a little bit and just the coaching staff. What what do you think has been his kind of biggest stamp on this team and and kind of the style of play that they're, they're putting together here? 
Well, he hasn't been usurped by Jason Kidd at this point. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so you know, I mean, that's that's what we all thought, right? We right. thought we thought heading into the season, it's just a matter of time. Jason Kidd is breathing down his neck right there, and that that hasn't happened at all. That's certainly been a pleasant surprise. That hasn't been a storyline. Like nobody's been talking about that because well, winning cures everything, right? The Lakers are in first place. Um, but you look at Frank Vogel and what he's done this season. Uh, it's very he's a very different coach than Phil Jackson. But you see some of the things that he's taken from Phil in terms of how he manages players, particularly superstar players. He consults with Anthony Davis and LeBron James before all of their practices to get kind of the, the temperature of the team and find out you know, where the players are at. He's very cognizant of that. That's something as an organization, the Lakers have been very careful to do. Rob Palenka was almost to an annoying degree texting Anthony Davis and LeBron James all through free agency about, you know, hey, what do you think about this guy? This guy's saying this. What do you guys think on that? They've given these players a lot of buy-in. We've seen in the middle of games, we've seen Frank Vogel. uh, There's one play in particular that I remember where um, I don't remember who they were playing, but Contavious Caldwell-Pope got called for a foul and Frank Vogel wasn't sure whether or not to challenge it. And KCP and LeBron ran over real quick, did a quick conference with Vogel. Both shared their side of it. He listened. He turned around and he challenged the call. And I don't think he wound up winning the challenge, but, but that stuck with me. He is really listening to the players and giving them a voice while still maintaining that, that authority role. And that's a very, very fine line to walk. So I've been really impressed with his ability to do that, to give the players the room and the slack to have their own voice while still maintaining control of the locker room and still being the, the voice strategically. That's been, been really, really impressive. Yeah, I thought he's done an incredible job because typically when you look at LeBron teams, there's so much drama all the time around, around the teams. There was a lot of drama last year with the Lakers. There's been a ton of drama when he was with the Heat, a ton of drama with the second Cleveland run. You know, it was never, it never seemed like an easy season and it never seemed like an enjoyable season for LeBron. You always saw him and he just never seemed entirely happy. Is it fair to say that this Lakers season in his second year is maybe the happiest LeBron has ever been as far as just, there's really no drama around the team as much as talk shows try to bring it in. There's really nothing to talk about, is that a testament to Vogel and LeBron and their ability to just kind of put their head down? Absolutely. And that, that goes back to our initial point, too, of the team's chemistry. The way these guys have all gotten along, um, they met up in Vegas in the offseason for workouts, and LeBron was the one kind of organizing that and, and pushing that. Um, they have a giant group text for the entire team, and they're on that constantly, and multiple players have talked about it. Um, so I can only imagine the things that are that are on there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, these, these guys – really, really enjoy each other. In fact, that's something that uh, some of uh, uh, Dudley, in fact, was just telling me that that they, like even when they're not playing on the floor, they're texting each other, they're talking to each other. He's saying even after the season, they're still going to be be friends off the floor. And that's, um, part of that is LeBron kind of just being so open and willing to say, okay, guys, you know, this is, this is our team. Um, and if you look at what he did when Anthony Davis came in, he tried to give him number 23, even though Nike um, put a stop to it. Right, he tried to give up his number. He went to management to tell tell management, "Hey, let's run the offense through Anthony Davis." LeBron doesn't care about the spotlight this season, even though it's naturally going to go to him. He doesn't care about any of that stuff, and it's created a very um, very harmonious environment for the Lakers. 
Yeah, your interview you did with, with uh, Jared Dudley was actually pretty awesome. That guy is just, he's, he's out of this world. I think he's, he's going to be a coach. He's going to be a coach or a GM yeah. one day. And everything he was saying about just kind of having people's backs and, and coaching from the sideline and making sure guys are in the right spot. And he talked a lot about kind of like locker room chemistry. And that's kind of the reason he's on the team. Um, but while we were talking about LeBron, I wanted to ask you, so there's always this story going around that Lakers nation hasn't welcomed LeBron. And is this a non-story on the inside? What's the kind of relationship LeBron has with the city? Um, you know what? It, it's something that I, I legit think it was about 50-50 or so when LeBron first signed on as far as fans that wanted LeBron to come and fans that were not happy that he was becoming a Laker because there's that that uh, those remnants of the LeBron versus Kobe thing. And then, uh, and so there was that natural resentment towards, towards LeBron because he's been the enemy for, for so long, right? Right. And there's still, there is still some remnants of that. That, that still exists, uh, but it is, it is certainly diminished because LeBron has won these games for the team and right. because he's helped them out. You know, when he got hurt last season and it was still a bad season, that, that frustration lingered. Now, this season, a lot of that has been erased. Uh, there are still those people. I still see them popping up in comments for my show and things like that. Uh, you know, saying get LeBron off the team or I'm not happy or whatever. Uh, but that that has diminished, certainly. And especially, I think, to me, the moment that really cemented LeBron to the majority of Lakers fans is, okay, this is, he isn't the hired gun anymore. This is one of our guys. It's the first game back after after Kobe Bryant passed when LeBron got out there and he gave the speech that he gave in front of Staples Center um, and saying all the things that that he said that that moment to me felt like okay this is this is drop all the lebron isn't yeah. one of them type thing he's a laker now and uh and so i thought that that was the moment for me when when lebron really made that transition for probably 90% of the fan base even if there is still that 10% hanging on to the hate for me as well trevor i thought you know that was such a tragic event for the entire world and it really shook the sports world shook the nba world and obviously uh, the lakers you know as how much Kobe meant to that franchise. And I think, like you said, when, when that happened, LeBron kind of took on the mantle of I'm going to, we'll, we'll, we'll care. I'm going to carry this team through this tough tragedy um, that everyone's going through. What was the the mood and the feeling like around the team? You know, obviously when that horrific tragedy happened and is there a little bit more sense that, they want to continue this season and they want to bring a title. This is, this is kind of like a for Kobe type of a season. To a degree. I mean, they, they already were very, very determined to bring home a championship. That was clearly their goal from, from day one. Um, so I, I won't say that it like increased their focus on that goal or anything like that, but, um, but that mentality is, is probably there to a degree. Uh, this was a team though, that was, was very deeply affected by it. I don't know if you guys saw the pictures, but like like Quinn Cook, right, who grew up a Lakers fan. Um, his dad was a Lakers fan. It meant a lot for him to be a Laker. Uh, he went out and stood with the fans right after the plane landed and the Lakers got back. They were actually getting back from Philly. Um, when the plane landed, Quinn Cook went and stood out in front of Staples Center to stand with fans and just grieve. And, and so this this hit this team hard. I mean, there's there's no question. Uh, you saw it in that, that game where LeBron gave that – speech uh there's just cry you know they're on the anthony davis is still crying as they're doing the opening tip like this this affected this team to a to a high degree because because it's kobe bryant um battling through that is certainly something that's not easy uh i don't know that it's a necessarily a full win it for kobe mentality like i said i think they were pretty locked in 
on winning a championship already. But uh, but it certainly isn't something that's going to diminish their their desire to go win one. And uh, and I think there there will be some of that talk if they do bring one home. So obviously you've probably been keeping up with all the last dance stuff with the Bulls on ESPN. Uh, Miguel and I were kind of talking, we wanted to ask you if there could be one Laker team or one Lakers season where you'd kind of want to see a similar, uh, you know, Lakers style documentary, if you will, who, what, what season or what team would you pick it to be on? Oh man. Uh, huh. All of them <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> with, the, with the drama that's constantly going on around the Lakers. Um, I mean, any of them would be, would be amazing. I mean, you look at the the Magic and the Kareem years, um, the transition from Magic to to Kareem, Magic kind of sliding in as the star. That would have been amazing. Magic's rookie season would have been an incredible one to do. I think just in terms of drama, though, maybe the final Shaq and Kobe season. Yeah, that would be yeah. that would be interesting. You know, bringing in Gary Payton, bringing in Karl Malone. You've got Kobe. You've got uh, the assault trial. You've got all that kind of stuff going on. Two thousand four, right? Right, the 04, 04 season, okay. and then you've got. And then you've got Shaq and what he, he just said, oh gosh, it was about a week ago, made a comment about, you know, hey, it was, it was made clear to him by someone in the front office that if they didn't win the championship, they were going to part ways with him. And so, I, you know, I'd be curious to see his demeanor during that whole season. So I guess that's the one I would pick. Although as a Lakers fan, that would be a real painful one to watch. Right. <laughs> that was a Which, tough series. Uh, yeah, with it with Shaq, you know, he, you know, before we let you go, Shaq was talking about, you know, everyone says, or a lot of people say the 96 Bulls, greatest team of all time, you know, mm-hmm. 72 and 10. And unlike the Warriors, they finish it off with the title. <laughs> Shaq said that his 2000, 2001 team with Shaq and Kobe would beat that 96 Bulls. What, what's your take? He feels like that was the best Laker team that they had and that they would destroy the Bulls. I've never seen a team that's performed at, at that level before. I mean, we we look back on that Bulls team, and because of that seventy-two uh, win record, that's and that's certainly impressive. They are they are a great team, uh, but you look at how that Lakers team was rolling, and it's almost like you discount it because of who they played in the finals, right? Going up against the Seventy Sixers, you discount it a little bit because of because of that. Because okay, they weren't playing like another all-time great team or anything in the finals. But you look at how, who they had to get through to get there. They played the best of the best in the Western Conference. Um, that team was roll. I mean, sweeping the Spurs, sweeping these. Th- I mean, that they were amazing. And so, if anybody could take out that Bulls team, it would probably be that 0-1 Lakers team. Just they hit another level during the playoffs. They were they were untouchable. It was it was incredible to watch. And you know, you look at that matchup: Bulls versus Lakers. Uh, yeah, Jordan's going to do his thing and, and Pippen certainly too, but you look at it too and you think Luke Longley against Shaq. That's, yeah. that, that's tough for, for Chicago, that's for sure. Um, I, I can't say who would win, but it would be a lot of fun. I think it'd be a seven-game series. I would obviously go Bulls, but I think it'd be seven games. Every single game is tight. I think you know you got the Bulls would pretty much control the perimeter with their, their length and their defense, but just Shaq, Shaq was one of those forces that I don't think we'll ever see again in the NBA, which how he was able to dominate a game. So it'd be fun. I would love to see it. Um, in your opinion, is that the best Laker team or is it Showtime Lakers? You know, with, you know, we're the magic Kareem. It's really hard to compare eras. Yeah. Um, certainly in the, the hearts of Lakers fans, I think the Showtime team is always going to have that, that kind of that top spot. 
right? Just because of what they meant and the way they were able to transcend basketball and, and move the NBA up with them, the entire sport with the Lakers Celtics rivalry and everything during the, during the eighties. So I think that's always going to, going to be the nostalgia will always be, always be strong around that team. But like I said, I don't think I've seen, I've certainly never seen another, another Lakers team perform at the level as that, that Oh one team. So so I'll go with that squad. Yeah, that 0-1 team too. Kobe was, I think that was his fifth year in the league. So he was a little bit younger. He, I think he really reached his true prime probably around the 2002-2003 the season. But man, that would be something to go back and watch. But uh, Trevor, we really appreciate your time today, man. I just want to let you guys know you could follow Trevor on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Uh, he provides full post-game analysis following the completion of every single Lakers game on Lakers Nation. He also does in-depth breakdowns, player interviews, the whole nine all purple and gold all the time trevor thanks again so much for joining us man hey no problem guys thank you so much for having me uh, have a good one and, and you guys stay safe